I'm Mark Peterson, and this is Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. On this podcast, we talk a lot about the role emergency managers play in successfully navigating through a disaster response and eventual recovery. But there's another player who are critical to emergency management efforts, local elected and appointed officials. As leaders in their communities, they make significant policy, resource, and communication decisions prior to, during, and after disasters. FEMA recently released the Local Elected and Appointed Officials Guide, Roles and Resources in Emergency Management. So on this episode, we talk about the guide and how it can make it easier for these senior officials to understand, prepare for, and execute their leadership responsibilities. So there has been just a slew of uh, updated guidance coming out from uh, from FEMA over the last couple of months. In fact, just on this podcast, we've highlighted uh, things like the continuous improvement guide. We've looked at how to set up emergency operation centers. And on this episode, we're really going to take a look at one of the really critical players in disaster response and recovery, the local elected and appointed official. And FEMA's developed a guide for it. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that guide uh, with Chad Payer and Dan Berkman from the National Integration Center. So Chad, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Great. And and Dan, uh, it's good to talk to you. Likewise. So, Chad, before we get into the guide itself, let's just talk about what the National Integration Center is. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, So we develop uh, a bunch of guidance uh, and tools for our emergency managers. Um, Really, we cover a range of topics, um, everything from uh, planning considerations for cyber, so the role of an emergency manager or the potential role of an emergency manager in a cyber-induced environment, uh, we put out uh, guidance documents on how to build and maintain uh, private-public partnerships. Uh, we put out some guidance on how emergency managers can better engage their faith-based and community organizations. Um, so our branch uh, does a lot of work in uh, helping planners, emergency managers, uh, develop their own uh, plans. Um, one of our biggest uh, victories is Comprehensive Preparedness Guide 101 which is sort of the bread and butter of uh, developing and maintaining emergency operations plans. Um, Many of the listeners here, I think, would be uh, familiar with that document uh, if they are indeed uh, uh, planners for their organizations. Uh, And also in the National Integration Center, uh, we're responsible for the National Incident Management System, or NIMS. Uh, So many of your uh, listeners probably are familiar with NIMS. Think uh, Incident Command System, ICS. If you've ever taken an ICS course through uh, EMI or CDP, uh, you probably know what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, the job's uh, really fun. Uh, I love it. And uh, I'm going to say this at the end, but I'll say at the beginning too, please check out our uh, website at fema.gov slash plan. Uh, that's where you can find out a little bit more about what we do. Well, I mean, you're doing a great job because I think any emergency manager I've ever run into, CPG 101 just rolls off the tongue. Um, And I think uh, most people are very familiar with the work that you all are doing. Um, So, but but sometimes maybe uh, the local and appointed officials uh, 
you know, they're busy and they're focused on, on a variety of different things, you know, preparing or getting their communities ready, not just for disasters, but also for, you know, economic prosperity and, you know, just other things. Sure, sure. And so disaster readiness, uh, emergency readiness is not always on, not always front of mind for them. So how did you come about writing this guide and it, was there an impetus for it? Yeah, no, um, I think you're spot on, Mark, in uh, understanding uh, the complicated role of a local elected or appointed official or what we often call senior officials. I mean, you're dealing with poverty issues, you're dealing with housing issues, you're dealing with uh, educational issues. So uh, there's a lot that that you got to manage uh, if you're in that role. Um, what, what we learned here at FEMA, uh, particularly from you know past disasters, is that you know, there's a pretty high turnover rate for our elected and appointed officials. Um, and so, uh, you know, because of that high turnover rate, um, there's just a lot of churn in terms of getting uh, your senior official up to speed on the various roles and responsibilities they might have, uh, but particularly for us for emergency management. Uh, so when, when uh, FEMA goes out and it's talking to the small towns and the jurisdictions, um, and, and, you know, we've had a lot of experience working with the West Coast in terms of the wildfires that, um, you know, Southeast uh, America obviously has had uh, its fair share of hurricanes uh, and then flooding in the Midwest uh, and other areas. It, it's taught us that as we've had these interactions and encounters that um, there is a need for some high level guidance that can assist our uh, newly elected and appointed officials. Um, we wanted something where they could quickly learn about their key roles and responsibilities. So if hopefully they're not, but if they're confronted with uh, a major disaster, um, they would have something to turn to, to understand how they might respond, recover uh, from, from, from a disaster. Um, yeah, I think you you just really hit it on. You know, I mean, you've got to it's got to be a, something that's digestible for for somebody who is focused on so many different, you know, important aspects of a community. So, Dan, uh, you know, give us uh, you know an audible tour of the structure of the guide. Yeah, sure. Um, the guide the guide consists of uh, six main sections plus a, a number of appendices. If senior officials want uh, more in depth information. Uh, total, there are roughly a little over 60 pages, um, so 30 for the main section and 30 for the appendices. Um, after an introduction, the second section is probably our, our biggest one. It's, um, it's called Leading Communities to Address Threats and Hazards. Um, talks about why it's valuable for the, the, the senior officials to know about the threats and hazards their community faces. And then it gets into the roles and responsibilities they need before, during, and after. So we'll touch on that a little later, but that's really the, the meat of the um, that section and of the guide. Uh, the third section, community resource assistance, identifies possible sources of assistance. An example here is mutual aid. Uh, the next section called emergency and disaster declarations and proclamations. It's a long title, but it explains the reasoning and procedures for declaring emergencies by different levels of government from local all the way through the governor of a state, tribe, or territory to the federal level. And then the last main section is the key stakeholder considerations that highlights key equity um, considerations that elected officials should be aware of. And then we have a conclusion. The, the appendices themselves offer a variety of resources from in-depth checklists to additional online resources and trainings also geared toward senior officials. But the biggest thing, and, and you both were talking about it, was, you know, this is 
digestible. You can pull sections out where needed. Um, emergency managers can take it to their elected official. And we even had one person tell us it really allows me to pull out what I need for the elected official for mine. Um, and then also it's digestible for the elected official themselves if, if they're interested. So if those are the different sections of the the actual structure of the guide, are there are there bucketed themes in the guide that you're trying to convey to the uh, to the elected official? Yeah, the the biggest one is I would say that the senior officials don't need to conduct emergency activities alone and that they have trusted partners within the government and primarily the emergency manager. Our kind of five minute elevator pitch of developing the guide was, you know, if an emergency manager only has five or 10 minutes with a newly elected official, they can tell them what they do. They can leave this guide for them with their contact info and make sure they keep that relationship up. But it's not just emergency manager, it's also partner agencies such as fire, police, or public health. Uh, another key theme for the elected officials to keep in mind, emergencies often may be viewed from the immediate response perspective, yet we wanted senior officials to be able to use this guy before, during, and after um, emergencies, because not only do their roles and responsibilities evolve during parts of the event, but these leaders can do what they can do more in advance, uh, such as building these relationships or considering hazard mitigation actions. It will reduce those initial response impacts and also the long-term recovery efforts after an event. Yeah, I think um, a, a number of the disasters and emergencies that um maybe I've deployed to, uh, just thinking back, uh, at least within our region, I think one of the surprising things is you know, it, it does take a while, right? Like, you know, you, you, the response comes at you sort of fast and furious, but then you also need to transition into recovery. And then you even need to start thinking about, you know, how can we prevent disasters like this from having such a major effect on our communities going forward? And so I'm, I'm really sort of drawn to that sort of theme of before, during, and after, and I wonder if you could maybe um, pull that thread a little bit more. You know, what what are we really driving at there? Yeah, and the, again, I mentioned our section two has kind of um, a lot of key bullets. We have icons associated with with um, for five or six for the before, during, after each of what these officials can do before, during, after. Um, and this is a good place to mention. We also have. I know the full guide 60 pages. We also have a four-page quick reference guide that highlights these sections more in depth. Um, and then a seven-page checklist if they want to know really in depth before, during, after, and be able to print that out and check things off as they go. And then we have a seven-minute YouTube video. Um, again, all this can be found at um, fema.gov slash plan, as, as Chad mentioned. Um, so I'll highlight just the couple for, for each before, during, after. So for before, uh, senior officials can champion community risk reduction, such as adopting and implementing mitigation and climate adaptation strategies. Um, and then they can encourage all of their constituents to develop emergency plans um, from individuals to families and businesses to government agencies themselves. And then lastly, once those plans are in place, uh, senior officials can participate personally in drills and exercises involving those plans, and this will get others to participate as well. Uh, during disasters, um, again, key theme, getting informed and staying in touch with the emergency manager. So this should be ongoing through an event, and they should meet at a regular interval or cadence as needed. Um, and then another big thing elected officials might consider is communicating to the whole community about what's going on. Um, so we even have a good call-out box in the appendix 
on page 37 about delivering effective messages, but we'll keep people um, in the community might care about what happened, what are you as the elected official doing about it, and what does it mean to me as the individual? And then lastly, for after disasters, and Mark, I came from recovery, so I I can uh, I feel this is a really important subject um, as well. But uh, senior officials should ensure that all of the applicable accounting and documentation requirements and procedures are followed. This might seem a little dry, but no one wants to be audited or lessen the efficiency of recovery efforts. Even worse, from a um, senior official standpoint, ha having to return money may reduce the public's trust in their officials. So we do have an appendix, Appendix D, which starts on page 44, that has an initial list of federal disaster re financial resources. And then we also have a full guide as one of our NIC uh, planning guides. It's called the Disaster Financial Management Guide, also found at fema.gov slash plan. And then the last thing, uh, senior officials should leverage uh, all governmental departments and private sector and nonprofits for holistic recovery and resiliency planning. Examples are like housing, public works, economic development, and we also have pre-disaster recovery planning guides that go more in depth about building these relationships. Um, as, as many of the listeners know, saying in emergency management is you don't want to trade business cards uh, after the event, you want to do it beforehand. So just hitting home, the more you can do in advance, the the, the easier that, that response and recovery phase will be. Well, so if I can parlay that saying into, <laughs> you know, of course, you don't want to trade business cards in the midst of an event. You also don't want to be asking those like very, very um, key questions in the midst of the event. So Chad, are there some topics in the guide that lend themselves to conversations that need to be had now before a disaster takes place between an appointed uh, elected or appointed official and their emergency managers or just learning more from the guide? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great follow-up question. Uh, I mean, the guide definitely goes into some detail on some of these topics. Um, I'd say the first thing um, that it really sort of unpacks is, is this concept of mutual aid. And, and the majority of the emergency managers out there are pretty familiar with how mutual aid works, but for that local uh, official uh, or that senior official, um, they may not know their role in helping the mutual aid process. So, uh, you know, bottom line, mutual aid uh, is just resources like people, equipment, commodities, or food that uh, two jurisdictions uh, can can agree on in terms of how they share those resources. So. Uh, I, I'd say to the listeners, just imagine that your your town or your city, uh, your jurisdiction has just been de uh, decimated by a disaster. Um, you know, your constituents are without food, water, there's no electricity, the roads are closed. Um, people are panicked and uh, you probably don't have enough resources to deal with this on your own. So having those agreements in place with neighboring counties or with private sector partners is, is really critical to ensure that you can help um, your constituents, your community uh, immediately after a disaster and that you're as effective and efficient as bring, uh, at bringing resources in as possible. Um, there is a call-out box in the document that discusses the Emergency Management uh, Assistance Compact, which uh, is a mechanism uh, for providing national uh, mutual aid. Um, so I certainly encourage uh, folks to take a look at that section. Um, and, and it's not just mutual aid uh, that, that's in the guide. There, there are some other uh, really uh, important topics like the integrated public alert and warning system. So IPAWS, how you communicate with your uh, communities once a disaster hits. 
Uh, there's really good information about the Stafford Act and the disaster declaration process. Um, some good information about damage assessment terminology. So when you get hit with that disaster, you know how do you go out and make the assessments? Uh, community messaging, which is uh, also critically important, uh, and then exercises. How how can you set up a, an exercise program? And for our senior officials, how can you participate in and sort of help promote the exercise program uh, for your jurisdiction? Um, so uh, a lot of good uh, kind of caveats uh, in the document. Um, I, I guess I'll leave with uh, leave this question with one more, uh, although there's probably a lot more I could talk about. But there is um, quite a, a lot of information on the federal grants. Um, so what federal grants are available uh, to help you build that local capacity uh, and obviously to help you reduce some of your local uh, vulnerabilities. So uh, everyone's always interested in, in, in money. Uh, I get it. Uh, so there is uh, some significant real estate in the guide to talk about the grant programs and how you might be able to tap into some federal resources uh, to help build out uh, your um, program. Um, so, you know, in just amidst those uh, topics, you, you just talked about, you know, the sort of the the process for collecting uh, damage assessments, which is, you know, something that I think all of the regions really focus on with our, uh, our, our elected officials, our emergency, our local emergency managers, you know, just the, the, the quality of those damage assessments uh, in the process of seeking a, a presidential disaster declaration. How far into the process does the guide go in terms of working through the understanding of how a community might reach that level? Yeah, I mean, it definitely gets into some of the terminology and, and highlights uh, this as a, a critical sort of role for a community after a disaster to participate in. So I would say it, it provides some high level um, uh, you know, discussion points about the damage assessment process and that key terminology that a senior official would need to know. Uh, of course, we have a lot of other guides, tools, and resources um, that we would point uh, an emergency manager to or senior official to. Uh, but we thought it was important to just highlight that this is going to be an important uh, aspect of a post-disaster, uh, you know, uh, community uh, that they'll be dealing with. Uh, so we thought it was critical to include it in the document. Yeah, the other thing, Mark, I just wanted to to make sure folks knew, and I think this is maybe where we just caught out, but uh, in the document, um, there is some real estate on uh, federal grants. So uh, I know money is an important uh, tool and vehicle uh, for communities to help build their local capacity and to help reduce those vulnerabilities. And so we do um, put some information out here uh, about different grant programs that uh, communities can tap into, uh, particularly Appendix D, which outlines a variety of federal resources and grants. So I just want to make sure our, our listeners knew uh, about that as well. You know, there's so much about uh, disaster response and recovery that is, uh, I mean, certainly related to government to government support. But are there other stakeholder groups that the the guide sort of encourages local officials to uh, work with? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, we we often use the term whole community planning here at FEMA, and, and whole community basically is everybody in your community uh, that has equity coming to the table to um, not only go through the planning process, but make sure that there's a shared understanding of responsibilities. Um, so this can be the private sector, you know, academic institutions, uh, schools, uh, obviously the various uh, departments within uh, your jurisdiction. So you know, transportation and 
communication. Uh, all these players are critically important to uh, building a solid plan that's going to work. Um, so we, we really want to hit on this idea that as you develop your plans and, and emergency managers know this well, you really want to bring anybody that has equity to the table. Um, and even more specifically, some some of the categories that sometimes we don't always think about um, are individuals with disabilities. Uh, so there are certain people in your community who have specific civil rights uh, under federal law to have reasonable accommodation. We want to make sure that the people with disabilities, when a disaster hits, are part of the plan and that people are planning to make sure that they uh, are cared for. Uh, individuals with access and functional needs um, to include, you know, even limited uh, English uh, language proficiency. There's certainly pockets in America where um, the predominant language is not always English. And so we want to make sure that folks are thinking about that and how they're reaching these communities as they go through the planning process. Then, of course, we have underserved populations. Um, these are the people who are, you know, adversely affected by maybe persistent poverty or inequality. We want to make sure that those uh, people are considered as part of the planning process. Um, so uh, I'd say that the guide definitely talks about this this whole community planning and, and the importance of building relationships and really engaging uh, and ensuring there's effective communication with the entire community. Um, so there is a section in there that stresses the importance of uh, building these relationships uh, with the private uh, sector, um, as well as voluntary and non-government organizations, because uh, all these players are going to be critical to the success of not only responding to, but recovering from a major disaster. Absolutely. You know, Dan, I, I just wonder if we could go back to the structure of the document itself. Um, you mentioned a few times that, that there's a, a variety of appendices, and I, I believe that there's eight. Um, so uh, what what can the listeners and and specifically the local elected and appointed officials um, find in those appendices? Sure. Um, yeah, realizing that that the senior officials have many conflicting time demands, we did our best to put the most important information into the main body of the document, but wanted to provide these appendices to allow readers to take deeper dives into certain areas. So, for example, the Appendix A is uh, even more detailed checklist than that before, during, after uh, bulleted list that I gave earlier. Um, these are roughly two to three pages each um, with check boxes and even more call-out boxes. And again, uh, we've made that downloadable separately if, if people just want to look at that. Um, Appendix B is about the recovery continuum. If people uh, aren't as familiar with recovery, they can learn more about that and see what other um, local pre-disaster recovery planning guides might be out there. Um, and then it was mentioned a couple times, but um, Appendix C is, is about terminology. There are some key national incident management system concepts, or uh, NIMS was thrown out there earlier for short. So. Emergency management has a quite a few buzzwords, so this is a good section for de defining key terms such as incident command system, ICS, or emergency operations center, o EOC. Um, these are acronyms that if se senior officials are new to an emergency management field, uh, just a you know high-level overview of what some of these do. And then on top of the, the we have trainings, um, we have online trainings and person training references if, if officials are interested, and then just other key terms and and um, a glossary uh, for their interests. And then throughout the, the guide, 
we, we've talked about the, the damage assessment process. So that's a good example of where we might have a call out box talking about what those are and then links on, on the page and then full links in the footnotes. So if people want to open up additional sources throughout, um, uh, readers can do that online or um, as printed out uh, through the guide. Chad and Dan, we have talked about um, this guide, and uh, but it's it seems to me the real value of this is just having it in the hands of the, the emergency managers and the local appointed and elected officials because, you know, there's just so many pieces of it that can help them in their job when they're faced with probably one of the, some of the most challenging days that they might face in their office. And so is there anything else in the guide that these... Um, local elected officials uh, really ought to be aware of and maybe focus on. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm thinking of two two main things we haven't we haven't talked about yet. Um, one is that we have a collection of case studies in the guide, um, mainly associated with those roles and responsibilities before, during, after. Um, I think it starts on page eight. Um, so these are case studies that will help the document come alive for the readers and give uh, examples for how elected and appointed officials have made contributions uh, toward emergency management. I'll just cover two real quick. Um, one of them is Oray County in Colorado. Uh, their board of county commissioners provided uh, the political will and direction to implement new building codes to reduce the impacts of wildland fire. Um, and this was they were inspired from their attendance at a wildland fire conference a few years earlier. It seemed like low-hanging fruit that if they could update uh, the, those building codes for future buildings. Uh, it would really reduce fire risk in a part of the country that's um, super vulnerable. Uh, a second example is Hawaii County in Hawaii. Um, there was a resilience hub that was started after the 2018 Kilauea eruption uh, and then was leveraged further during the COVID-19 pandemic for CARES Act funding. Um, now that resilience hub has grown into a network and it continues expanding and empowering residents to be ready for future events. And it really shows it's a combination of being community driven and government supported. Um, so between those two, but also all, all four case studies that we have, a lesson learned from all of them is um, when the, the elected appointed officials have background or experience with emergency management or disaster survivors themselves, uh, their input really increases the political will to make the re resilient change for future events, and, and they're that much more committed. So hoping this guide helps get them on that path if they're not as familiar in, in advance. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was um, we touched on briefly, but we have associated resources. Again, the guide might be a little long. Emergency managers could pull out what they want for their elected officials or elected officials can look for what interests them most. Um, but I mentioned we have a four page quick reference guide. Uh, the focus of this are the roles and responsibilities before, during, and after, um, but also key takeaways from the other main sections. Um, and then I mentioned we we pulled out and spruced up the the checklist for it before, during, after as well, so they can be downloaded on their own and di distributed separately, and they're color coded to the differentiate before the before, during, after periods. And then lastly, um, again, we made a seven minute YouTube video for those who want a break from just reading or or more visually oriented. Uh, it, it's a link to all the. Um, uh, it goes through those roles before, during, after, but also um, more references from the guide itself. So links to all these resources and the video uh, can be found in uh, in the show notes probably and then at, at uh, www.fema.gov slash plan. 
So Chad, in, in addition to the website uh, and also the the YouTube video, which which is great, is there another way that listeners can um, can reach out with questions or just to learn more? Yeah, no, absolutely. And we encourage anybody listening to please uh, reach out. Um, you can contact us through through our uh, inbox. So we got multiple people that monitor uh, an inbox. Um, so it's NPD uh, Tech Planning uh, P L A and N-I-N-G at FEMA.DHS.gov. But I, I know that's a mouthful. Uh, so the other thing I'll say is just go to our FEMA.gov slash plan website. It, it's pretty quick and easy. If you do a Google search for FEMA.gov plan, uh, you'll you'll come upon that FEMA.gov slash plan and website. And there you're going to find a bunch of our resources. Uh, in addition, you're going to find our contact information. And uh, yeah, highly encourage uh, folks on, on this uh, call to, to get in touch. Uh, we love to stay connected. We want to know what's going on in the communities, particularly uh, we want to be able to, to help you with your uh, planning considerations and your planning needs. So uh, please write, reach out. Uh, we'd, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, or have ideas for future episodes, visit us at fema.gov slash podcast. Thank you.